welcome to episode 19 of the Coach Fury podcast. For those of you that don't know who I am, don't worry about it. Not many people do. My name is Steve, Coach Fury Hollander. I'm a fitness professional and educator based out of Gowanus, Brooklyn, New York. And I offer online personal training. And the big news is this, starting in February, classes in Gowanus. After Body Reserve closed, I've decided I'm going to bring my classes home to Fury Industries, aka the home gym. You can see the Godzilla collection when you're here. Um, I'm going to announce schedule and rates and info on that shortly. So stay tuned for that. I'm very pumped on that. If you're interested in personal or online training, visit coachfury.com for information on those things. Also, I teach courses for several groups, including the RKC, DVRT Ultimate Sandbag Training, Strength Faction, and Original Strength. And this week's guest is Mr. Tim Anderson, one of the co-founders of Original Strength. So I'm excited to talk to Tim in a moment. Uh, if you want to check out what courses I have going on for any of those groups, visit again, coachfury.com. All that information is up there. Now, the awesome metal music you hear at this podcast, the beginning and the end, that is my friend's band, the FTW, and they are playing the Kingsland in Brooklyn on February 3rd, opening for The Skull. So check out the FTW. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. And here we go. Mr. Tim Anderson, episode 19. Man, I've got a super special guest uh, for this one. This is the man who introduced me to Original Strength. Uh, we met actually assisting together at a strong first, the second strong first kettlebell cert ever, actually, uh, out in Boston or the outside of Boston. Um, Mr. Tim Anderson, the founder of Original Strength or co-founder of Original Strength. Uh, Tim is a super dude, a good friend. We've known each other a while now. That was 2012, I think we met. That sounds yes. about right. Um, and runs the Original Strength Institute with Danny Almeida, who was guest number three on the podcast. Uh, Tim, say hi to the listeners and any fill in any blanks that I might have left. Hello, listeners. Uh, Steve, I think you, I, there are no blanks, man, but uh, thank you so much for having me. You'll find that Tim's one of the handful of people that still calls me Steve, and I, I, I like it. Like, there's an endearing, like, growth in my career from people that call me Steve or met me as Fury. So if you, if listeners, that's me. Steve is me. In case I'm you sorry. I, I only call him Steve because I love him. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to set this up. I'm going to tell people because, you know, sometimes on this podcast, I have so many of my friends and a lot of them are from systems that I teach with and I never want it to sound like a commercial. So I always try to stress uh, folks like it's because the stuff's worked for me, right? Like I'm not only the hair club president, but I'm also a client, right? So I met Tim at this strong first level. Uh, it was a level one, but it was literally class two. And I've been reserting a lot between the RKC and Strong First, doing snatch tests, my level two with the heavy presses and stuff. And, you know, you drive in and you, you research. And something weird happened with my hamstring. And I can't even tell you what it was, but I was reserting with Ron Farrington and like 12 reps into my snatch test. Something tweaked in my hamstring. And I had already, I'd known Jeff Newport for a, a couple of years. He was one of the leads at my first RKC. And so I'd already had the book Becoming Bulletproof, like my, our good friend Alex Salkin had recommended it, but I hadn't gone to the workshop yet. And at this point, I was involved in helping to set up workshops at Five Points Academy. So even before this thing happened, I think I talked to you and Jeff about, let's talk when the time's right about coming down to Five Points. And then I had this tweak uh, in my hamstring and Tim, who I just literally just met there, we'd never met in person or had any sort of dialogue prior, came over and started showing me some head control and some rocking. Uh, and things started to feel a little better. <laughs> like it was kind of, kind of crazy. So 
this was right at the initial boom, I would say, of original strength, where it went from a, a few becoming bulletproof workshops to like, it literally took us, I think, eight months to find a spot to get you into Five Points Academy. And within that time, I had started having some back issues coming in and reached out to Tim. I was, Kathy Dooley was helping me out a lot. Paul Alexander, my, my acupuncturist, was helping me out tremendously. And I reached out to Tim and I was just like, Tim, how much would it be for an online training program, uh, a heavily OS influence? These are the things I want to work with and this is what I'm dealing with. And it was basically like, I think I just wrote like get-ups and presses. I think those are the only two things I wanted to work on and that my back had been bothering me. And Tim sent me the most simplified program I've ever seen. I was literally like crawl this long with the stopwatch. If it takes you less than this amount of time to crawl X amount of minutes, carry something or do swings. It was super simple. And it was like a, a ladder-based pressing day. But it was basically two things a session and that was it with resets at the beginning and the end. And before I knew it, for anybody that's ever been injured and gone through like um, physical therapy after, there's a point where you don't even realize that you're not feeling pain anymore. You just back to life. And there was a moment where I was like, holy crap, like I'm not feeling this pain anymore. So I, I became an instant believer in it. And it definitely had an impact on how I train. And the sweet thing about Tim is I go, so what do I owe you? He goes, it's a Christmas present. I'm like, well, that's like ridiculous. Cause, <laughs> and he's like, nope. So Tim hasn't taken a dime from that. Um, but later, uh, you know, the, the, the initial birth of the assistance team started forming and I was able to get on on that and have been teaching now OS since 2013. Um, so Tim, let's start with how you program OS and then we're going to go completely off topic and then we're going to get back to OS. So it's cause it's a different style than I've seen. And I'm wondering if that's involved evolved since then or if it stayed the same, cause I think OS confuses people that there has to be a specific OS workout or there has to be only OS stuff versus you using OS as a lens in exercise selection and, and programming. Oh man. Um, okay. So you'll have to dial me in as this goes, but Hey, by the way, you were the very first law online or distance client um, that I ever programmed for. You did not um, say that at the time, by the way. And I had no idea. It's cause you didn't ask me. You just said, Hey, <laughs> I think I just assumed because Jeff and I have had talk. I knew Jeff was doing a lot of online stuff. And I just assumed like, man, Tim's like a name out there. Like he's got to be doing it. So uh, I'm glad I was your first. Um, <laughs> you never forget your first. And never forget I, your first. And I was free. So uh, <laughs> hopefully the business model but, changed a little bit since then. But you have no idea how much that helped me in, in putting my thoughts down and how, how that, that was basically a template or a foundation that is really, man, I, I, I still use that that kind of model that I used with you that is just continuing continue to prove successful. So thank you very much. <laughs> You're um, welcome and thank you. I mean it's just, it's kind of funny because I had trained nobody until you and now I do that kind of all the time. So so you really helped establish uh, my online training uh, career. So thank you for that. Awesome. Um, I'll now, take ten percent. <laughs> yeah, you can, okay, we'll work something out. Um, so let me ask you, so when you, when you ask how I pro program now, are you talking about for the average person or for someone that has specific goals or because I like, I, I kind of do it for 
it just it just depends on who who I'm working with. Let's start from uh, like a fitness professional, right? Like I like you know if you can call me that at the time, I was you know I was still pretty damn new actually to the to to the industry world as a professional, but someone who is working with clients is programming. But you know it's a weird thing that you find programming tends to be the last piece of the puzzle a lot of people figure out where they get good at cueing moves, they get cue at, you know, good at motivating people or you know, talking to their, their clientele or their classes. But sometimes programming, especially when it's something like OS, like, can be almost exclusive in and of itself but doesn't need to be, it's hard to wrap your head around. So I've just gone through the original strength pressing reset workshop and maybe, let, let's use my example, like I have some lower back issues but nothing, you know, no, no blown discs or anything, no... Uh, egregious injury. Um, and I'm just looking to get overall stronger and potentially out of pain in a non like physical therapy pain. Like we're not trying to, I think people miss get lost a little that OS is trying to like cure pain from a trainer perspective. We have a clinical perspective for that. Um, but like, what would that average program be? So what I like to do with a person, like say a trainer that, that, I, I want to know what, do they have any specific goals uh, or target dates that they're trying to reach for one, because that really lets me know how fast or we got to get, you know, how, what time frame I'm working in. And two, I want to know what they like to do, because I believe that original strength should actually just help you enjoy the things you'd like to do. Um, it shouldn't, it doesn't have to replace anything, but if it can help you do the things you want to do better, well, then that's just awesome. So I, I, I like to ask what they like to do um, as far as training goes. And I also like to ask what they don't like to do. Um, because to me, if you don't like it, I mean, I know some people say, well, even if you don't like broccoli, you should still eat it because it's good for you. Yeah, but life's short. And I don't want to really, I don't want to eat broccoli if I don't like broccoli. You know what I mean? So, um, so I, I want to know what they don't like to do. And then, and then I want to know how they're moving in general, because if, if I can see how they're moving, then I might have a really good idea of what resets they really need um, that are going to give them the biggest bang for their buck. And then I just try to get in consistency and repetition. Um, the trainings can be very brief as far as, you know, 30, 40 minutes. Um, and usually they do revolve around what I think the resets they need are and the, the movements that they have a, a goal for or the ones they have a desire to do. Let's let's talk about when you talk about seeing them move. Are you having them go through? So we have the original strength screening assessment. Are you having them do that sort of through video as a baseline? What are they sending you as a distance coach to get, yes. to help you create that? Yes, I, I I will send them a list of the movements I want them to video record, um, and then send them back to me so that I can see how. So yeah, I basically do a, a distance uh, online screening or original strength screening assessment on them. Yes. All right, cool. And how often is it that they're just, you know, I think everybody gets caught up a little bit on crawling out the gate when they think about original strength and strength training. Um, how many, like, do you find that some people are more kettlebell focused, more, some are more barbell focused, uh, ultimate sandbag focused? Like, is there like a specific niche that you find it being used more often than not? Um, or has it, as it's grown, I know it started as a heavily from the kettlebell world, but is it more open across the board at this point? It's right now it's more open. Um, I still, I, I do get a, I mean, I guess a majority of kettlebell uh, enthusiasts, but it is open. Um, like I'm currently working with a, a sandbag, uh, ultimate sandbag uh, person right now. Um, and really, but again, it's just so applicable to, to any, any 
training discipline that you want to engage in. Triathletes that, that they just want to get better at swimming, running, and, and biking, which that is fun because that's totally not my world, but I've learned so much from, from stepping into it. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I, I work with a, a train, this wonderful runner. I mean, she's like a high-end runner, Hillary Lorenz. And she literally just did for New Year's Eve in San Francisco. I've never heard of such a thing, but it's a 24-hour run. That's crazy. I believe it was <laughs> – she's going to – I believe she ran 86.2 miles in 24 hours. Oh, my goodness. But what's been great working through with, with her is like, you know, you start to see where the wear and tear happens and where compensations happen over long distance running or just, you know, a lot of running. I mean, she's sort of like a whole other sometimes I make Lord of the Rings jokes with Hillary because she's like literally like I'm going to go run to the store. I'm going to go run to work. I'm going to go run there. It's like there's no normal commuting. <laughs> right. But it's good when you get to work with those different populations and see how it does have an impact across the board. There's nothing that it like won't help. That that's what I love about OS is that it just it just makes everything better. Um, it it, it kind of just cleans you up so that you can enjoy the things you like to do. Awesome. What would you say is sort of like one of the bigger success stories you've seen um, from somebody who's been you in OS? We can take this at two two ways. There's let's say like a physical achievement in terms of like a strength thing right? Like a direct strength result. And then there's like sometimes those more emotional, like things of people just overcoming like really difficult stuff outside of like, you know, a max deadlift or something. Cause you have oh. two moments of something big, something more like a serious overcoming a physical limitation. And then something of like, just, wow, that was really strong and marveling at the strength. Well, from a physical limitation standpoint, I've seen people like regain that had no squat to speak of, um, regain a, a butt to calf squat in minutes. Um, and I'm talking about older, I've seen this happen so many times in a, a lady in her mid fifties, a gentleman in his mid seventies. Um, just, and to me, that's just, I don't know. It's just, it's inspiring. Um, but I've also seen a lady, uh, that has a, a neurological disorder who, who is in a wheelchair, um, become able to stand up and out of that wheelchair so much, uh, with, with a lot less effort and be, and walk on her walker, um, with a lot more stability and strength and fluidity. The cool thing about that though, is, is I also saw her genuinely smile and get excited. And that was, to me, that was very powerful. Um, yeah. and go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. It, it's, it's kind of amazing in the gym, you start to gauge, I shouldn't say gauge, but you see these different types of rewards, right? Like there's the things that most people come for. And it's like, usually, you know, fat loss or muscle gain. It's, it's one of those two are usually the big ones. And then through, you know, a lot of people come in banged up from either previous trainers or failed activities, failed sports. Um, I shouldn't even say failed. Sometimes it's poor quality right. uh, of the trainer, uh, or the coach. And sometimes it's just like, we did this thing we loved a lot and got banged up for it. So fails the wrong word for that. Um, but when you start to see the light on the eyes, the light come back in the eyes a little bit again, it's, it's kind of like a huge victory versus this like PR thing, you know, but then the PRs are also huge for people that don't know PR personal record. Like when somebody does something they've never done before, it's really cool to see. It I, is. It's, it's very cool to see them regain emotion or movement that they haven't had or to be able to move and it doesn't hurt anymore, but to see the excitement in their eyes or their face and their expression, their whole countenance change that I think, um, that is what really lights my wick the most probably. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be pretty intense. I still mention this every time I teach one of the courses, one of the pressing reset courses, is that that young woman Victoria that came into the first time I assisted you out at Tristan's. Yes. In, in Long Island, this woman, Victoria, had been hit and dragged by a bus and was trying to save her, uh, I want to say it was her right leg. I'm going to apologize if I'm wrong on that now. This was back in 2013. And she, Marjorie Brooke, who's one of you know the family, yes. the OS family, brought her to work with Tim. And Tim, in a special way that only Tim does, is like, so uh, Steve, what would you do? <laughs> And I'm like nervous and just about assisting for the first time an OS course. I'm like, uh, wow, let me, let me see. And got her doing some segmental roles after just trying stuff. And she was able to get in a quadruped position or a rocking position, which four minutes earlier, she wasn't able to do without a ton of pain. Um, and I just saw that as like, Oh wow, this works on a way deeper level than me thinking about doing like human getups or something like that was, uh, one of those moments that's like a touchstone for the system. And clearly there's been a ton of them. Uh, I just taught OS in Japan for the first time. And I did a little bit of OS with like a pressing workshop last year. And, you know, where people generally move like the squat in Asia and in Japan and is, it's different. It's they're used to it. It's, it's more right. custom. Uh, and to see that even that helps people move with greater ease was sort of eye opening because, you know, in the beginning of the course, usually, at least in the States, you see these big differences happen pretty quickly just in breathing. And I wasn't sure if that was going to have the same effect and it totally had the same effect. So even if you move well, there's always room to move better. Oh, absolutely. Right. Um, and whether you're whatever, you know, whether you're pulling a 500, 600 pound deadlift and it helps you do that better or it just helps you get out of a chair better. I mean, yeah, the reward is the reward. Um, and it's, it's just beautiful to see, see somebody improve. Yeah. And to go back now to the programming conversation, um, folks like in, in, in OS, we're basically looking at three, three big things, right? We're looking at diaphragmatic breathing, stimulating the vestibular system and using contralateral cross lateral movements. So it doesn't, you know, crawling and breathing become, I think the things that we're the most known for out the gate until somebody comes into the course. But when you're programming it, it's, it's also just more about reflexive strength. So not necessarily creating, well, I should say not, not, force generating tension right so it's not the same as doing a deadlift but then you just start programming it as you would anything whether it's a warm-up a cool down or in the middle of your sets like it's really simple but i think we tend to try to overcomplicate it when it comes to programming yeah i i like so for the fitness minded person they're used to certain things like they're used to warming up they're used to cooling down um and they may be used to active recovery. So to me, that makes it real easy to sneak OS in there to, to be a great movement prep for them for their workout. And if they're doing active recovery, well, it's only going to clean up their sets anyway. So it's easy to sneak in there. And then if they've really had a, a, a stressful session, well, what better way to, to end it than by pressing reset, restoring the nervous system and so that they can recover better um, when they leave. Yeah, or even if they needed to diminish the arousal, like between a heavy set of presses or swings or deadlifts or something, to throw in a reset, you know, in between or after before the next round or the next exercise in there. Um, And I think sometimes too much of a focus, I think as you use OS a lot, you find like, oh, this would be a good reset in there for that person. But I think sometimes we get caught up too about like, what's the right reset for this exercise? 
And it's like, technically for resetting, things might be slightly more beneficial, but in our good, better, best world, it's, it's really hard to pick a wrong one. And I think that seems to complicate it where it's like, really just let your brain go and be creative with it because you're not going to hurt somebody with a reset. So that's, that's the most complicated thing for uh, fitness professionals um, is that there's not a hard list of rules. There's no algorithm. If this, then that it may just be do this period. Like what may, you know, cause if it's a reset, well then it just resets things, right? It doesn't have to be a certain one. And, and a person needs what a person needs in that moment. Um, and you can't, you're not going to do it wrong. Um, and if you guess wrong, uh, you know, it's no big deal. If, if cross crawls does not help you, you know, do your squat better, that's no biggie. Do some rocking. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Um, but there's no harm is done. Um, even if it's the wrong reset at the time. And just for, for those, uh, again, Tim and I, clearly he's the founder and I've been teaching this for a while now. Just for those that might not be familiar, the five resets are based on the developmental sequence. So you've got diaphragmatic breathing, um, you've got segmental rolling, sorry, you've got head control, segmental rolling, rocking, crawling, which then leads to marching, uh, cross calls, marching, skipping, you know, down the line. It's just the whole gamut of it. And um, those each one of those and the many progressions regressions within there those are the resets and that's what we're, we're talking about if you're like what what the hell are these guys talking about resets i don't know what that is so those those are the resets um yeah i know the one m sort of most overwhelming thing from your program was just a it, it didn't have hard rules like the crawling thing was basically it was like take a stopwatch see how long it takes you to crawl for 10 minutes if you stop, if you made 10 minutes and 15 minutes, go do carries for 10 minutes. And if you didn't, don't do carries for 10 minutes. It was super simple. Uh, now, mind you, crawling for 10 minutes, even stop and starting is not easy. No. <laughs> um, especially when like day three was do that backwards. But it was, it really simplified programming for me. And you're, because I requested get ups and presses in there, I saw how you use those things. Um, and it just made a lot of sense to me. Now in strength faction that I've been a mentor for, I've been programming fury Thursdays or fury Saturdays sort of as a reset day. It's, it's definitely original strength based in terms of how I would program. But if I didn't tell people that it's original strength reset day in any way, like it's just a, a workout with kettlebells or something else. Like nobody knows that it's specifically, this or nobody would know it specifically this if i didn't say it so if if you're sort of confused by os just program it right think about what the principles of it are and just see where it makes sense to use it with somebody and i think that simplifies a lot absolutely it it, it can make training very simple or training programming very simple it's also that idea of like farmer strength like when you would call the carries just like farmer farm work yes. um of just like hauling stuff around for a bit where you don't necessarily have to worry about perfect form and neutral spines. Not that you're trying to like go out of that, but it is just like, we're just going to move and you're safe, self-limiting um, without getting caught up in too much dogma or specifics or drills to just walk around with something. That's, that's honestly, that's the secret sauce, man. Once you've got a, a good foundation of reflexive strength, just moving stuff from one place to another, man, that, that is the secret sauce. Yeah, I, I've, I've had uh, the privilege of taking a, a few courses at Tim's place uh, in Fuquay Varina, and I've also taught one. I, I created an original strength uh, DVRT combo cost 
course called Dynamic Strength, where I basically use the ultimate sandbag and DVRT to take the resets, the developmental sequence into like the functional movement patterns. And one of the cool tests that Tim had me is like, I wrote the manual and like, okay, now like, I want you to squeeze and create feed forward tension because I'm so used to doing that. And right before coming out, he was like, is there a way you can, you know, not tell him to do that and just kind of keep it reflexive in nature. And it was eye opening because you can, because if you're reflexively strong and you push your feet through the floor and pull something apart, guess what? Your glutes and your hammies fire up, your legs get tight and your lats get tight. And then if you're just breathing, it's actually hard to lose your abs if all that stuff's firing up. That's reflexive without it being a strategy. Yeah, and your, your body knows exactly how to move heavy things and it's yeah. supposed to be able to without a lot of conscious effort. Yeah. Now, clearly when we start talking about like power lifting and stuff, like we're asking a lot. So there are strategies and techniques that help you move load, but even OS will help sort of, if you think about the foundational substructure level of all of that will help make your life easier on that. So, um, if anybody wants an action step, write a one day, like an OS based workout that please don't just make it 15 minutes of crawling, but try to put something else into it and, and, and send it to us, uh, comment on the, on the podcast thread and just play with it and just see how easy that might become. Cause it's pretty freeing. And I think, you know, you just did a workshop with Dan, John, when you talk with Dan too, you know, smartest, one of the smartest guys in the business and, and his programming is pretty straightforward and very simple yet. We're all looking to like make everything so complex because in some way it makes us seem like we're more valuable where so Dan, Dan has this, like if you've seen Dan present and he is, he is super genius, but he'll, he will show you a program and he'll say, this works, it works, but you won't do it. And you know why you won't do it? Because it's too simple. <laughs> 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 it's so true. Uh, and I know, you know, in my online base, it, it's one of the things that became apparent is uh, uh, several, I deal with a lot of trainers, uh, you know, online and several would be like, you know, one of the key questions I ask is how, how much time do you have to work out? What's a normal workout? And people will write like an hour and a half. I'm like, well, you're not going to have to train for an hour and a half with me. Like it just doesn't happen. And sometimes it's like throws them off when that workout's 45 to an hour. It's usually yes. I'd say probably around 45. And there's that moment where we have to have the trust talk of like, just trust in the process. Usually they're just feeling good after that first, first session, but psychologically they have to wrap their heads around this, this difference of like, I don't feel like I just crushed my soul. Right. Well, they're and feeling guilty. They're feeling guilty. They feel, they feel guilty because they feel good and they didn't kill themselves to get that way. So it makes them feel like, well, this has to be wrong. I never thought of it as guilt. And you're kind of right. It's, it's sort of like, I didn't do it. Like, how did I just do that in this amount of time? That's how I felt when I first found kettlebells. Like I used to work out, like not knowing what I'm doing. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just a sort of, you know, average guy um, spending an hour and a half, you know, doing the back and by arm and try, you know, uh, sorry, what was it? Chest, chest and try back and by. Uh, yes. stuff. And then leg day. And then leg yeah, day. And the leg day. And of course, abs were every day. Um, you know, I had no idea. And then I, when I, when I took my first kettlebell class, I was like shocked that in 35 to 45 minutes, what I felt like and didn't feel cheated, but it was just, it blew my mind. Plus the simplicity factor of it. Like, that's what I like about like single speed bikes and skateboards. Not, I don't like a lot of moving pieces and OS opens a lot of doors too, uh, in terms of not needing a lot of gear to perform like a, like 
just all you need to move around in. And you don't even need a lot of space because you can always crawl in a circle or forwards and backwards. Um, I remember that being an eye-opening thing. And, and one of those transitions of the people that I train where I'm like, just trust in the process. Give me three to four weeks. And it doesn't take that long. If they're being accountable and staying on top of their, their sessions, you start to feel it. And then you start to have this nice, like you, that's how our own individual philosophies evolve, right? Through right. trial and error and feeling results or feeling failures. Well, real, I, I do believe now, especially now in my life, that real knowledge comes from experience. Like you can read everything and learn from what you've read, but you don't know it at all until you've walked through it. So you don't know if it works or it doesn't until you've actually experienced it. It's so true. There's, there was a big, I wouldn't say a big threat, but Josh, a couple of people had posted up, you know, at the end of the year just happened and there's everybody's like, how many books did you read? And it's become a very popular thing now to be as a coach, to be like, I read, you know, 95 books. And, and then it's, well, that's more than two books a, a week in some instances. Like how yeah. much did you retain from it? I think that happens. We've seen it at certs where there's people that be like, you know, I have one friend that likes to tell me how many courses he attended in a year. And I'm like, how could you practically apply 10% of all of those courses? So a, there's the education standpoint of just max capacity. I'm not that smart. Now, mind you, there's certain people that crush this. Yeah. Mark Fisher absorbs, right? And I know that like Todd Bumgarner, Chris Merritt, Mike Connolly, those guys, they, they actually have, Todd has courses on how to aggregate information. But I think a lot of us have gotten caught in the trend of fitness of just like, I got to like read these books that everybody's reading, crush it on the audiobook, and then really apply zero. Or remember yes. like one quote and apply zero. Certs are the same way. And I think that's, that's one of those things we all take with us where we don't need all that much, but we need to try it more. Like instead of learning more, we need to try stuff more. Right. But we need to stick I, with the things. Yeah. You need to, you, you get to know somebody by spending time with them, right? That's how you create a relationship. Well, if you really want to learn something, you have to spend time with that something Yeah. to, to, to get to know it. You have to have a relationship with it. So if you really want to understand crawling and know what it does and what it can do for your body, well, you can read about it, but you're going, it's very surface level. But if you want to know how strong it'll make you, you got to spend a lot of time crawling which means yeah. maybe you don't spend a lot of time snatching a kettlebell or doing something else. Maybe you just spend a lot of time crawling. But then it's also for, for folks that would think, well, what if I'm working on my kettlebell snatch? Like if you get very proficient at crawling and, and crawling for duration um, or dragging or pulling, you'll find that you're probably not going to have a lot of issues doing kettlebell snatches when you start to get some, some deep crawling time under your belt. So movements like, that's a good point. And I, the reason that is, is because movements like a kettlebell snatch are, they're, they're really skills. Um, and skill acquisition becomes very, very easy when your body is very tied together well and you have a great foundation of reflexive strength. Because then your body doesn't have to try to figure something out that is not possible for it to do. But you have all the everything you need there to just easily learn a movement um, and, and flow through it. Yeah. Well, well said. Well said. Hey, uh, speaking of like sort of breaking down barriers and, and skill acquisition and kind of doing the unbelievable, uh, you're going to be hosting John Brookfield for the, for the battling rope cert. The first time it's being held through dragon door coming up. Uh, and I'm excited to come down there and have my soul crushed and learn a lot. Um, I only found this out when I took John's barrel training certification at your place that you, that he's like one of your mentors. How did you two meet? So crazy story. Um, 
John Duquesne, when I took my RKC level one, gave a, a marketing talk on the last day of the, the cert. And he encouraged everyone to participate in this new rate year kettlebell trainer uh, thing that he had put on the website where your clients could go online and rate you as a kettlebell trainer. And I was, I was just, I was at my level one search. So I went home that week and I got all my clients to log in to dragondoor.com and rate me as a kettlebell trainer. Well, about three to four weeks later, John Decane decided to take the top 10 people that were rated out of all the kettlebell instructors in the country and list them in his hardstyle magazine. Um, so I became one of the top 10 kettlebell trainers in the country and maybe the world since it was only, you know, you could vote from anywhere. Um, which was Latin. I mean, it's funny, right? Cause I'd only been training with kettlebells a month and yeah. I was already one of the top 10 instructors in the, the country. Um, so anyway, that hard style magazine went out and it was delivered to, uh, John Brookfield and he was thumbing through it and saw me and saw the, the, my address was in that book. And he realized that I lived only an hour and 15 minutes away from him. So he decided to give me a call to introduce himself, uh, and tell me about battling ropes. So if it had not been for the RKC, that's amazing. Um, and it is amazing. Like, I mean, what are the odds, right? So because I was a, one of the top 10 instructors in the world of kettlebells, uh, that's how John Brookfield found me. <laughs> well, I, I'm like, think I'm number three or four right now. So hopefully some other super strong genius type will find me. <laughs> hey man, that was, that was in 2007. And I, I don't know that I've ever been in the top 10 of anything since. Or before that. <laughs> I, that, that's a great story though. Cause I thought for sure you just somehow locally met, like not through an outside organization. No, it was, it was just, uh, I, I call it a very divine, um, thing because I, I could not have orchestrated that. And I never even, I mean, I had no clue who John Brookfield was until he, it was funny because he called me as a complete stranger and then he's trying to tell me who he is. And I had no, I had no background knowledge of all the stuff he had ever done or anything like that. So I, it was, I mean, now I'm kind of embarrassed about it, but Hey, it was, <laughs> that's just the way it went. <laughs> no, it's awesome. I, I, you know, taking, I, I signed up for the, I've always been interested in taking, learning more from bat, battling ropes, but specifically learning with John. Um, even before I met you, Tim and I were talking about this before we got on the podcast. Uh, John used to do more outward battling rope certifications. And when I first started getting into training, I was like, oh, I want to learn a little bit more about what that is. And at this point, he was starting to do more private actually at his house once. And I've had friends that have gone through those. And it always intimidated me. And it was always a little bit of like a time and cost factor. And I'm very excited to have this chance in February to come down and see you guys and, and learn more from them. Cause the battling course, ba the, sorry, barrel cert course was, I knew I was going to have fun. I didn't expect sort of, uh, you know, how powerful that was. Like that was a really through me thing. Cause you know, I'm a pretty open-minded guy and I had a lot of respect for John going in. I was very excited just to meet him and, and hear how he teaches. And you know, I think I was asking you like a week later, like, where can I find a pickle barrel? But like, unfortunately here in, in my apartment where I train, I, I don't have rooms for room for it. And apparently finding a pickle barrel in Brooklyn is, is harder than it seems. That would be appropriate. It's, Imagine that. It's not like North Carolina where you can look it up and there's like, here they are for 30 cents and they've been rinsed out. Um, and you know, I think that's another one where people want to complicate training. And then I hear I was getting this amazing response out of simply like literally self pushing and pulling a barrel with either water or sand in it. So John is just, man, he's, I call him a, 
it's, it's not as an insult, but I call him a simple genius because he has such wisdom on how to, especially as far as training goes, but not just in training, just in world in living. Um, but it's, everything is so simple with him and it, and it makes so much sense. And, and the true proof is in the pudding though, like for the barrels or for the ropes. Yeah, it looks simple, but until you put your hands on it, man, that's where you get, when you dance with it, you realize how brilliant he is. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm so pumped to come out there, but I'm also like, <laughs> I don't have space for a battling rope right now. And I'm just going to get, I'm going to get thrashed. It's going to be great. You, you will, you will survive it. Let me, let me, let me paint a picture for you. When I went to his first level one cert or my first, not his first, my first level one cert, he had, uh, he, he was t- teaching us how to pull a rope around a pole to do strength training with it. Um, and it was all, you know, I had been there for, I don't know, seven hours already. And John, he'll work you. He believes in work and work capacity and the man knows no limitations. So he's not feeling anything while you're working, by the way, he's just, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't feel what you feel. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, he had us pulling like a mile worth of distance of rope around this pole and my arms, they, they started, they cramped up and I looked like a T-Rex and I, I was pulling the rope and I stopped. I said, John, I, I, I can't, I can't pull the rope anymore. And he goes, why not? I said, look at my arms they are cramped. He goes, well, you can move your fingers. Can't you? <laughs> and he wanted me to continue pulling the rope by just using my fingers. And if you, I know your listeners can't see what I'm doing, but I said, yes, sir, I can. He goes, well, okay, then you can do it. <laughs> and he was, very, he was very gentle about it, but I had to finish pulling the rope with my finger because those were the only parts of my arm that would move. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know if this was a true story, but I, I came, I missed his, um, what was the name? It was a beyond beyond bodyweight training, beyond bodyweight training. And there, there, there was the story that he has people or either he himself or had people crawl 45 minutes access crawl. Is that true? Or was that a rumor? No, he himself has. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, folks, that's imagine. Um, imagine having like uh, a marker under your belly button and just crawling in circles for forty-five minutes, not going anywhere, just crawling in place, doing circles. It's, and how old is he? He's in his sixties, right? Yeah, he might be. He's he's approaching sixty. I don't think he's quite sixty oh, okay. yet. But just to give you an idea, your listeners, an idea. John was telling me about his training one day. He just wanted. He goes, "I want to run something by you." He goes. I think, uh, I think I could, uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to start crawling a mile, uh, every day. What do you think? <laughs> now, I don't know if anybody knows. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I know what that's kind of like, but, uh, he said every day. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> and I said, I, I, I said, uh, John, um, I know you could do that, but I, I, I really don't think you need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, man. Well, let's go from that type of uh, superhero feats that, that John delivers. Let's talk about, so Tim has clearly been known as a superhero fan. Um, Superman in particular, uh, yes. clearly we have the Spider-Man, you know, crawl is a big fan. Um, what's been your favorite? What are you thinking now? We're, we're ending phase three of the Marvel movies. So we've got uh, Ragnarok in there. We've got guardians two in there. Um, Ant-Man, I guess, is technically considered a phase. Yeah. Yeah, and Civil, Civil War and Spider-Man. What, 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 what's going on? What, what are your favorite superhero movies that have been coming out lately? Lately? Um, so it's wonderful. I think Marvel, man, they're just knocking it out of the park left and right. Um, 
I love, I mean, even what they did with Guardians of the Galaxy, I mean, was amazing to me. But my, still my favorite Marvel movie right now is still, I think, Winter Soldier. There was just something about that movie that just called to me. I can't, I can't even explain it, but I really, really love that movie. And I, I like all the other ones, I mean, a lot, but Winter Soldier for me, for some reason, um, yeah. really, really, really did it for me. I think that one falls somewhere in my, that was my top two for a little bit. I think it's probably like three or four right now. I'd have to still put okay. the, first, the first Avengers. Oh, amazing just, movie. Just because the simple fact that it's the first time we're seeing all of this, these people meet. Yes. Josh Whedon did such an amazing job of that. Um, and then I'd have to put Guardians of the Galaxy. I think Guardians of the Galaxy is just insanely well done for a comic I didn't know anything about. I knew of existence, but I think if we didn't have Star Wars, like if Star Wars was never made, yes, Guardians, Guardians would be it. Clearly, like Chris Pratt has a, a Han Solo thing going on, but like it's just so well paced and visually stunning and funny. Um, that would probably that be my second. It. And then Civil War is the one that nudged out Winter Soldier for me. Civil War, it's just so such a, an amazing example of the patience they're having at Marvel of, of, yes. of letting these characters breathe that you have these beautiful little moments between like Hawkeye and black widow that if you didn't see any of the movies, you might appreciate a little bit, but with knowing the history, these subtle, like little jokes and one-liners mean a lot more. And then that fight scene on the, on the, the airfield. Oh man. Oh my gosh. So that was great. It was beautiful. So I love, I love you're, you're dead on, you're spot on about guardians of the galaxy. I, I, I even told like my, my parents, like if, if there were no star Wars, that would have been the star Wars for my kids. Yeah. For them to grow up and, you know, make, you know, just the way star Wars was for you and I, when we were growing up, I mean, that was it. Um, and it's funny as much as I love winter soldier, I, I loved the movie civil war, but it wasn't. So winter soldier to me, wasn't necessarily about captain America. Cause it's like in civil war, the way he was acting at, you know, towards Iron Man, it kind of like it torn. I, so I love the movie, but it's funny that I'm drawn towards Civil War um, as far as how much I love it. But it's really not about Captain America either, because I did not like who he was or how he was being in Civil War. Oh, um, all right. So too that, much of a Boy Scout, which is weird for me because I love Superman, right? So Yeah. It, it was uh, it, Civil War is like an interesting one where they, they came to that point And, you know, especially when we came out of the, you know, uh, Iron Man 3, really sort of getting the sense that, you know, Iron Man Stark doesn't really have a full grasp of, like, how he's handling all this stuff. Right. You know, he's still trying to find his place in this world, especially, you know, coming out of Ultron and, and all that stuff as well, just trying to find, like, how do, how do I do what I'm supposed to be doing? Um, Civil War is just, like, I mean, it, it, the introduction of the Black Panther's perfect, Spider-Man's oh my gosh. perfect. Like, he's my new favorite, man. Black Panther is, dude, he's awesome. He's yeah, off. so I think that'll be out within two to three weeks of this podcast, maybe yes. a little longer. Uh, it's coming. It looks absolutely fantastic. So, and I'm I'm so psyched for it. Andy Circus, who um, plays Claw, um, I believe, is to finally get him when he's in a movie, not mo capped entirely, because he is like, it, it, if, if people have to put the pieces together, who's the greatest living actor in all things of Nerdland, uh, all the things that mean to me? It's it's Andy Serkis. I mean, he's Snoke, he's Caesar, he's Gollum, and now he's you know he's in the he's Marvel movies. Man. Like, he's in everywhere. He's talented. And he's also in an amazing, the first time I ever heard of him, he was in this amazing um, 
werewolf movie, British werewolf movie called Dog Soldiers. Small role in this team, but if anybody wants to see like a really cool werewolf movie, it's probably 18 to 20 years old now, I think. Uh, check that out because he's in no makeup on that. It's before, I think... Lord of the Rings might have been shooting or something around that. The director of that huh. is making, I believe, might be the guy making the Hellboy remake right now. I could okay. be wrong. Or relaunch. Anyway, speaking of uh, Snoke, Last Jedi just came out. We haven't started this conversation yet. We, we were holding this for the podcast. What'd you think of The Last Jedi? And if anybody hasn't seen this yet, we're going to spoil it for you. It made a billion dollars. You should be ashamed of yourself. Um, or you can turn the podcast <laughs> off now. <laughs> Spoilers ahead. If I'm being completely honest, I absolutely love The Last Jedi. Um, I, I think it's amazing um, this, what they're able to do in the movies nowadays. But just the stories. And I, I mean, I, I love light versus dark and good and evil. I love those kind of stories. Um, so I, I liked it. How about you? Uh, you know, admittedly, I loved it. It threw me a bit. Cause you never know. I go in with so much emotion and expectations and you know, the thing that I noticed within the last, like, it's probably since I became, I didn't realize this probably since I became a father as a kid, I was all about Han Solo. Like he yes. was just the ultimate badass. And then as I got older, I started more and more to appreciate Luke Skywalker's journey. Like if you literally go from tattooing in the beginning of new hope to man, him fighting Vader at the end of Jedi, it's just this amazing, amazing arc. Whereas Solo's like, you know, he takes on his leadership roles and stuff, but like, it's really, I, I learned to appreciate it more as an adult Luke's role. So coming into Force Awakens, I was so excited to see Luke. And then of course we basically get one shot of Luke. Um, so in Last Jedi, I just had all these expectations. I knew it was going to be dark. And I think between that and some of the jokey stuff, I had a take a moment and absorb it. There's stuff I outright loved out the gate. Like there's some moments in there that I just think for everybody that are saying like, let's throw this out. There's been a lot of haters on the yes. last Jedi, especially yes. on social media, even friends of mine that we can agree on everything that's ever happened in the world. will disagree on this one. And this idea of like not respecting the characters and you know, this isn't what they would do. And then, you know, all I have to say to that is basically from the beginning, all kylo ren is saying is you have to destroy your past you know and the trailer has luke saying this isn't going to end the way you expect it to like they're telling us we have to be prepared to give up our childhood yes. heroes so i had to let a lot of that absorb but like the moment when luke is talking you know hops on the falcon is talking with r2d2 and r2d2 gives him flack and plays the original leia video oh my gosh right that was awesome the moment um, uh, Chewie eating the porg, which is the corniest thing probably in there. Uh, but if you go back to Jedi, like, remember, like, he gets him trapped by the Ewok because the guy wanted to eat all the time, right? So for me, there was enough throwbacks to their characters. And, you know, no one knows, like, how tortured Luke has become over the years. All of these people have become these hermits. What does that do to you after this stuff, right? right? Ben Kenobi was crazy old Ben. You know, Yoda went Pat nuts crazy on that island, right? Yes, he did. Um, and came back crazier than ever, even as a ghost in this one. Um, but on that aspect, I, you know, when I went back on the second time with some friends from the Films of Fury crew, uh, it all made sense because I could see how the movie actually led the steps a little bit better than me just in awe of everything. And, man, I, I can't wait to see the next one. Like, certainly there's a couple of things that could be paced. It's a little long. There's a couple of corny things that could be trimmed up. Um, but I can't wait to see where they bring this all in episode nine. 
No, see, they're, I, I know they're, they're, they're paving the way for some really good stories. Um, and, and for all the haters that, that hated the movie, well, you can, no movie's bulletproof. I mean, you can pick apart any movie, you know, and just try to try to justify why you don't like it. But I thought overall the story was great. Um, and the scenes, man, the fighting scenes were to me amazing. I mean, just when, 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 uh, Kylo Ren is fighting with, uh, what's the girl's name again? Ray. Right. Uh, dude, that was such an amazing scene. I mean, I mean, I was on the edge of my seat and it was a recliner. So that's how powerful <laughs> that scene was. <laughs> yeah. And that, that, that whole end, you know, the, the ending with Luke, um, you know, that took me a little bit to sit through. And the second time I saw it, I was like, that makes total sense. Let's talk about beautiful moments of respecting the characters, right? When Luke hands Leia those dice. I mean. Oh, yeah. Han Solo. Come on now. Perfect. So I'm excited to go where it goes. For everybody that's thrown, like, shade on the director, right? Uh, he's done two amazing movies. One is an indie film called Brick uh, with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt that I highly recommend. It is a stylized indie sort of high school noir film. Uh, it, it's stylized. It's super cool, though. I really loved it. But he did this sci-fi film with the same actor and Bruce Willis called Looper. And if you want really, like, a bulletproof movie, check out Looper. It's it's amazing tight all right it's really tight um it's basically you know it's, it, it deals with like time travel and stuff um oh it's super cool so I, was, <laughs> I was really excited when he was attached to you know a, a star wars movie off of those two films um just like uh you know if we go in people you know as soon as jedi came out and there was all this uproar uh either really loved or really hated it everybody went in their rankings of like which is the best movie you know and mine's a little bit down the list because there's so many good movies now, right? Like that's, right. Just, it's not my favorite one. But the thing that's been cool when people are like, I wish they'd stop making it is I'll say that Rogue One is my second favorite Star Wars film. Like I think Rogue One good. is perfect for me and gets better every time I see it and is so well done that it's clearly Star Wars, introduced a ton of awesome new characters, but also like kind of had a perfect ending that leads into the next thing. Um, I think it's hard for us, especially those of us in our near middle age or middle age or over that really grew up to be like, I got to let go of some of my childhood emotions because people forget, like we used to crap talk on Jedi a lot when it came out, you know, with the Ewoks and all that stuff. Give it a chance. Well, have, an, have an open heart, people. It, it's good entertainment. Um, I mean, but it, it's also got, it's got good messages in it. Um, like the last rogue one, um, and, and the, even the force awakens, I love the spiritual parallels and overtones in those movies. Um, yeah. I just thought it was powerful and awesome. rogue one really justified how bad Darth Vader really is. I mean, yeah. you, you get a glance on, okay, I see why he is the, the biggest bad ever i mean he's awesome it was a great transition for for those like you know and everybody that like you know talks about the prequels and stuff if you if i, I was very fortunate that the animated series and rebels came out as i had kids so my my my, my kids and i especially my daughter because my son was too young we used to like every every weekend that a new rebel uh sorry new clone wars was out we'd watch it there's some corny yeah. episodes but it's, it's actually an amazing show it's kind of everything you would hope would have happened in those prequels it's very uh military minded a lot of character development you get to see people literally over the years go from like cadets to getting murdered and killed murdered and killed in battle like yes. it's a great show and then rebels really steps up from that as well although i haven't seen all of it yet and rogue one was such a, a bridge 
of like sort of like embracing all of that. Like Saw Gerrera, uh, Forrest Whitaker's character actually was introduced in the Clone Wars. Um, and you get to see Anakin and Vader in that light in those shows. So it was nice to have a live action bridge because let's be honest, Vader's not like, you know, super battle-tastic in any way <laughs> in, in like, you know, when he when he's fighting for, through most of the other movies. But to have that one scene of like, wow, he's such a badass. It's amazing. It was. It was, it was awesome. All right. Well, we've been chatting for a while. Uh, Tim, tell the folks where they can find you and learn, out more about, learn more about you or Original Strength. For more information about Tim Anderson or Original Strength, you can tune into www.originalstrength.net. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel uh, called ironically enough, original strength. And we have uh, a Facebook uh, page called original strength. So we're, we're all over. If you're on the interwebs or social media, we're easy to find. Yeah. Visit originalstrength.net. I know I've got a course coming up in Manhattan at crunch on 59th street on February 11th. There's still some spots on that. And then Austin, Texas in May, but we have them happening all over the world at this point. Um, Folks, check it out. It's it's we keep the price low so that anybody that wants to simply move or feel better can go. Um, becoming a certified coach is a little extra co- cost because we don't want it to exclude anybody. Like not everybody needs. <laughs> Side note: We're going to go into this for a moment. So <laughs> original strength originally wasn't a cert, and then whenever you have something that's just information based, the, the, the first thing trainers want to know or business owners want to know is like, well, what initials can I put after my name? And I literally saw Tim so gracefully handle these attacks head on, not attacks, but it's like, but what does that mean for my people? What does that mean for my people? So anybody should go and take this and have the information because it's probably one of the most uh, straightforward things you can instantly apply without the threat of hurting somebody ever, right? You could just sort of try something and see if it helps. Like that's not a sales pitch as a coach. Um, it just is. You can go to the course, find a few things, and I'm sure you're going to be like, oh, uh, Ellen can use this thing. I'm going to try this with Ellen and not worry about like, am I doing it right? Right. Cause it's just part of our thing is good, better, best. Um, but in coach land, that that's another thing. Uh, it, it does involve like, you know, people want to have initials and people want to have plaques and that's super cool. But I love that it's actually stayed as a separate test at a separate fee. So if someone doesn't care about that, they don't need to get it. Um, so check that out. Uh, but it was funny to see that pressure put on Tim directly, uh, in almost a kidnap situation, (laughs) but we've all lived to tell about it. (laughs) For those of you that don't know, and you'll never know, probably Steve and I have lived through some really fun journeys together. Um, scary scary journeys even (laughs) it was really weird if you ever want to know when you're not the person on leading the ship (laughs) watch a business owner grab tim (laughs) and forget about you it's amazing um anyway on that note we should it's good it's uh i actually ran into somebody from that from that that place recently and uh yeah apparently a lot of people are over the place now uh there's a lot of movement there (laughs) wow well so, but you um, and I will always have each other. <laughs> we will, we will, man. Hell or high water, podcast or not, uh, your friend. That's right. And 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 Tim and I did speak at the beginning of this that it's it's interesting that we haven't actually been face to face on like a a video because we're recording this on video to see each other in a while. 
And I, my schedule, teaching schedule hasn't lined up with like the pro courses in, in Fuquay Arena. So usually at least once or twice a year, Tim and I get to hang out at his hometown and that hasn't happened this year. It's the first year, uh, since I've known you. So it's nice to be catching up, but it's also like, Hey, we're catching up, uh, on a podcast for everybody to listen to. Uh, I just realized I should throw this thing out too. I think I mentioned it when, when Danny was here for, for those that are like, where did die mighty come from? I would, would have this, like, you know, I would go on these rants about die strong and it was actually at Fuquay Arena at original strength Institute where people caught on to die strong and something sounded off about it, but it was cool. Cause it got chanted throughout the next day, next weekend's course. Uh, and Tim was one of the guys that I was like, what do you think about die mighty? And you know, one of the reasons I went with it was Tim was like, yeah, Tim was one of the first people that I, I showed the logo to that Ridge Carpenter drew. So thank you for everything that's kind of came out to be die mighty uh, shirts available now. Um, <laughs> there's one coming your way for you and Danny, but uh, just thank you for all of that. Cause that really was, uh, it, it was already, I was using a version of it without knowing it, but like literally like the beginning of the clarity of what that message was, what my mission statement was started February 2015 at your place, 2016, February 2016 at your place. Yeah. But really though, I mean, both of us, like the journeys and the adventures we've had together have really like, it's been amazing to watch you grow um, and to see where you have gone in your career. Uh, it's, it's all. And like Steve, you've helped, uh, you've been instrumental in helping OS grow um, the you. workshops you've taught. No, I, I do. You, Man, I, I don't know. I, I love you, dude. I, and it is just so neat to see how how you've grown. Um, it's just been it's been awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks for the opportunities to teach. Like I, you know, I I, I truly do love teaching, and and I, I do believe in this ripple effect that you know, there's only so many people we can help in a session, in a room, in a gym, um, and that's not to diminish that. But if we can go out and help more people share the same way, like you can make a pretty big wave uh, of positive action, positive improvement in people's lives. So it's it's I never thought I'd be the guy in front of a room teaching, but it's it's a, just a joy and like clearly it's great to go everywhere but to be able to go to japan <laughs> the home of godzilla and akira kurosawa um really just it, i still can't believe that those types of things are happening uh you know getting to go to australia for like two days um was like amazing like everything about that could have been a nightmare in terms of the travel but just being able to go out there teach and meet people is great so thank you for all of that Dude, I couldn't be happier for you, man. It is great to see you get to do that stuff. It's awesome. Well, thanks, man. Hey, uh, Tim, can you tell everybody to die mighty? Hey, guys, die mighty. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tim. It's great seeing you, man. And uh, I'll be out there next month. I, I got to book a hotel and, uh, and flight this week. And everybody, uh, visit originalstrength.net and the Facebook groups and the YouTube channels for Tim. He puts out a lot of solid. They all put out a solid group of information. Uh, solid amount of information quality stuff as opposed to some of the rando youtube stuff we see um if you're interested in training with me either in person online or taking classes or taking or hosting a course there's lots of things that i can offer you visit coachfury.com thanks to the ftw for the metal music thanks to glenn urieta for all of the godzilla kaiju art for the podcast and rich carpenter for making uh the die mighty logo and just Thank you all for listening. We're almost at episode 20, and that sounds crazy. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you.
The Coach Fury Podcast is created, owned, and produced by yours truly, Steve, Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by the FTW. Visit the ftw.nyc.com for band, album, tour, and merchandise information. And the artwork is created by Glenn Murrieta. Visit glennmurrieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or on Instagram, at Glenn Murrieta. Thanks, everyone.